Magnus Magnus Punches Reality, presented by Two True Freaks. I'm your host, Magnus, and guys, I gotta tell you, I'm taking my chances here a little bit, at least in terms of content, because in case it wasn't obvious, today's episode is going to have something to do with Star Wars, and for those of you who don't know, which I should imagine is probably going to be a lot of you, but for those of you who don't know, podcasting about Star Wars these days can be kind of a risky venture. A couple weeks ago, or months ago, or at some point, I talked about how... Basically, at the end of last year, at the end of 2019, I released an episode that was dedicated to Star Wars, and I mean, like, specifically to Star Wars, like Star Wars 77, right? I got together with Scott Rifen of Dinner for Geeks fame, and basically he and I, uh, we wanted to talk about why it is that we love Star Wars, and coincidentally or not, it's like the great majority of the conversation seemed to revolve around Star Wars 77. And... Guys, I've done a smattering of episodes about Star Wars over the years in my illustrious career as a podcaster, and typically those episodes were treated to higher than normal download numbers as compared to my average. You know what I mean? If I release an episode about Star Wars, what I noticed is I, the download numbers would be anywhere from, I would say, maybe 15 to possibly 30% higher than a non-Star Wars episode of Trennis Magnus Punches Reality. That's just the way of things, right? And that certainly was the state of affairs for quite a few years there, and something changed, right? And unfortunately, I'm in no position to say when it changed, but at some point something did change, such that podcasting about Star Wars was not necessarily gold anymore. There was a time when it was, but those days were behind us, at least at the end of 2019. For whatever reason, and I think we can maybe guess what that reason is, but for whatever reason, things were happening in the Star Wars fandom at the tail end of 2019 that just didn't sit right with a lot of fans. And... You guys, you're smart. I'm sure you can read between the lines here. But um, anyway, whatever happened, happened. And given that, like I say, my Star Wars episodes are just so infrequent, I really can't tell you when things changed. I can only say that things changed because the Why We Love Star Wars episode that I did with Scott Rifen at the end of 2019, I'm not going to say that it was a dud. I've released a few dud episodes, and that episode, in terms of downloads, that was not a dud. But it really wasn't anything special at the same time, you know? Uh, The numbers for that episode, nothing to write home about, you know? So, to me, what that meant was sort of confirmation that, you know, maybe the party, when it comes to Star Wars, maybe the party really is over. And not very long later, Rifen and I reconvened to just basically acknowledge the fact that, hey, it's the 40th anniversary of Empire, you know, we should talk about that, and we did. And I noticed that the numbers for that episode, they were an improvement over the Why We Love Star Wars episode, and so I thought it might be kind of cheeky and fun to get together with Rifen again to talk about Jedi. But I just don't really see that happening anytime soon. That That is no, by the way, that is no reflection on Rifen. That's nothing against Scott Rifen. I love Scott Rifen. He's a great guy, great podcaster, great everything as far as I can tell. It's just that for whatever reason for right now, I just, I'm not really feeling it, you know? And so, anyway, but yes, the thought, if anyone was curious, yes, the thought has crossed my mind. Maybe getting together with him at some point just to make... A clean run of it so I don't know but 
what I have been doing this week, and this is a, this has been a surprise, I must say, even to me, what I have been doing this week, because uh, I'm working from home, just like all the rest of you, and I must say, if I can just, you know, kind of tangent for a minute and just kind of fan my own balls here, I got to tell you guys, if you know, if there's one thing that I do well, it's working from home just because, like, maybe it's like generational thing. Because they say that my generation, one of the things that we're kind of known for is a predilection for working from home, you know? It's just sort of becoming like a generational calling card almost. And so, as I say, if there's one thing that I do well, it's work from home. There was a point when I was doing freelance web design. Because there was a time when you could do freelance web design. And I kind of came in at sort of like near the tail end of that, as I remember. But uh, there was a point when I was doing freelance web design, working from home. And so that ended up kind of snowballing into an official job offer at the company. So rather than freelancing, I would actually be on payroll. So fuck it, I, I took the job. That lasted for uh, about a year. And then that just kind of, there's some, it's like anything, you know, office politics. You, you guys, I'm, I'm sure most of you have had some kind of experience with that, but whatever happened, happened. And so I ended up leaving the company and I didn't really have anything new lined up and ready to go because like when you're 21, you know, you, you, when you leave a job, you might just rage quit, just, you know, walk out in a fucking huff or something like that. And you don't necessarily have a new gig lined up, but it's like, it doesn't really matter because, hey, fuck it, I'm 21. So, uh, didn't really have anything else to fall back on, so I just free, I, I went back to freelance web design where I was working from home. Again. And, uh, guys, the hours on that, I mean, basically what I realized is I'm going to need to put together a team because I wasn't working for one company anymore. I was working for a variety of different clients and I needed to put together a team, people who could do the stuff that I couldn't. I could do uh, some shit in Photoshop and so, you know, and I, and I could do some coding and some other stuff. But other people, I, I needed basically talent to kind of fill, fill in the gaps of things that I lacked. I needed to put together a team. So there was that. And then, I, and then, of course, once you put together a team, now you have to manage the team. And in so managing the team, one of the things I discovered is, you know what? Somebody's going to have to uh, get together and meet with clients and do presentations, meet and greets and schmoozing and stuff. And the people that I work with are talented enough in their own right. I don't think I want them meeting with the clients because, I mean, we're talking about just like this motley assortment of just fucking freaks. And so... I started taking the lead on all of the different meetings and stuff that had to take place. And guys, you just wouldn't believe, I mean, those hours add the fuck up. Okay, because you got to figure, you're going to spend a certain amount of time uh, coordinating with the team, figuring out who's going to do what, and like what the time allotments are, what the budgets are like. You have to basically manage the fucking team. Then you uh, have to you have to head out the door you have to meet with clients schmooze with them and tell them that you're the answer to their fucking prayers and everything and then oh by the way after you get finished with all of that now you have to do your work you know your part of the uh, uh of the design process you know and it's just it gets to a point where i mean it's like, yeah i'm young and everything but fuck's sake man i mean i'm putting in like 15 16 hour days like six days a week you know and on the one day of week when it's not that, it's it's still more than nothing, you know. And it was just, it was just fucking. I mean, it's like the money is ridiculous. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it's like one thing I cannot complain about when it comes to that period is the money. I was getting paid like just ridiculous amounts of money, you know. So I was definitely very well compensated for my time, but it's like I don't have any time, you know. So. Anyway, so that was its own thing. And so I was looking for something a bit more stable. I mean, yeah, I knew I was going to have to take a pay cut, but it's like at that point, the part of me that just needed to get a full eight hours or God knows perhaps more of sleep was willing to make that trade off. And so make that trade off. I did. I got a job. It was more of like a conventional, like nine to five sort of day job where I had my nights for free for a change. And then I got a job offer 
basically is a glorified .com, and it was one of those things that was just too good to pass up. The .com basically died the minute I signed on, and so I had no choice but to find yet another job, and I didn't want to go back to my old day job because, like I say, the pay there kind of sucked, and, I, and it's like, it, it just, it, it's kind of shitty to come back two weeks after you leave a place and like, hey, can I come back? And I probably could have. I probably could have, but put it down to foolish pride or something. Didn't especially want to do it. So I got a, I got a new job working at home again. And this job, I must say, it did last for quite a few years and everything. That was the job I, I had and then lost shortly before starting Trennis Magnus Punches Reality. So here we can see everything comes full circle and I'm able to bring it back on topic, and hopefully make it look like I planned all of that, when in fact I did not. Point is, I've been working from home, the same as the rest of you, this whole time, and if there's one thing that I do really well, it's work from home. But one of the things about working from home, at least that I need, this is not to speak of what anyone else needs, but for, but like for me, for what I need, I need stuff to listen to because I don't really spend a whole lot of time talking on the phone. The stuff, the work that I do, primarily, it's it's done by dialing into my employer's uh, network and uh, basically transferring files as they need to be transferred, sending emails as they need to be emailed, and any kind of interaction that needs to happen with my coworkers, of which there is not very much, but whatever does need to happen. We can just do through instant messages. So no big deal. So in relation to that, one of the things that I need is music. All right. I need lots and lots and lots of music. And it gets to a point where for as many songs as I've, uh, or, or rather for as, for as much music as I've obtained over the years, it gets to a point where you you can get stuck in a rut. And guys, I'd like to think that I've actually got some pretty diverse musical tastes, you know? I mean, it's one of those things where you're not completely aware of it at the time that you're absorbing all these different types of music. You're just finding stuff that you like and adding it to your collection, your repertoire or whatever. You know, you're basically just absorbing all of this stuff, but you don't really necessarily think about how eclectic some of this stuff really is. So some days, maybe it's all about synthwave, you know, maybe other days it's all about post-rock, maybe other days it's all about punk rock, you know. Um, I mean, hell, I, I think I spent most of last month uh, uh, working my way through the entire Smashing Pumpkins discography just over and over and over again, starting with Gish and then going right on through to Shiny and, uh, and Oh So Bright and then just starting all over again, just over and over. And one of the things that I kind of like about the Smashing Pumpkins is they've got so many B-sides and so much uh, just surprise songs uh, you know, here and there, unreleased tracks and all this other stuff that uh, somehow you can go your entire life and never find out about, but then one day you trip over and it's actually kind of a pleasant little surprise. You can do that with a band like Smashing Pumpkins, whereas other bands, it really is a case of what you see is what you get, you know? And in some cases, that may be just about all you get. So anyway, so I need, and this is the point, I need a lot of music. And the other thing is I need to have a certain amount of variety going. Um, just to kind of use another example, there was a point when it was all about, and some, uh, some of you may remember I was posting all about this on uh, Facebook at one point, but I was listening to virtually nothing except eighties hair metal. Couldn't, uh, could not get enough of that stuff, you know, and really it was Motley Crue. That really was my favorite. Uh, Nothing against the 80s, the the other 80s bands, but I just, I, there was something about Motley Crue that just did it for me, you know, in ways that perhaps other bands did not. And so I don't know. But uh, anyway, so that's that's really been kind of a staple of all of this, all this work from home, lockdown stuff that we've all been having to uh, put up with. I need a lot of music. 
you know, and not necessarily eight continuous hours of my workday filled with music, but I would say like a lot of music in a given workday, you know, I mean, I need to listen to this. St- I mean, and in, and in a weird kind of way, it's almost like you're not even really listening to it. You have it turned on, but it's there almost so you can ignore it in a weird kind of way. You know, sometimes you are listening attentively, but other times, yeah, less so. And so, anyway, to finally get things on topic here, um, almost looks like, actually over 15 minutes into this thing, to finally get things on topic here, this week it was Star Wars music, and specifically uh, the prequels. You know, now I realize that's a little, you know, to talk about, you know, the prequels, there is a sense in which, you know, the opening music for this episode is kind of incompatible with that. And my way of answering that is the opening music that you hear at the beginning of the Star Wars related episodes. That's basically meant to connect to Star Wars in a sort of general sense. I don't want to have to come up with sort of like a a musical intro for every single passage and movement of Star Wars that has ever existed or will ever exist. And this is not to speak of the fact that I'm, if I'm really being honest, I kind of have to think that the, 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 the score for Star Wars 77 really is my favorite. I love Empire, I love all the other uh, uh, scores for the other Star Wars films, but there's something about Star Wars 77, it really does stand alone when it comes to Star Wars music. It's kind of in a, it's in a class all by itself, in a way. And so the music that you hear in these episodes, typically, not always, but typically, well, like the introduction and the outro is always going to be Star Wars 77, but even the background stuff mostly is going to be Star Wars 77, just because, like I say, for me, that really is my favorite. But this week, like I say, I've been, well, not even this week, I would say really for just like the past couple of days, I've been listening to the uh, film scores from the Star Wars prequels. And I, I, I don't really know exactly when it happened, but there is there, there was a point, maybe it was just that, you know, millennials started coming of age a little bit more and they started being a little bit more vocal in their opinions. The, the prequels really did get reevaluated at some point. And it seems that the tide really is turning. I mean, there was a point, like in the 2000s, where you really needed to be careful about where you expressed a positive opinion about the prequels online, just because you never know who might pounce on you, you know? Whereas the way that things are now, it's a little bit more politically correct to speak positively about the prequels. And... The reason I'm being kind of a pain in the ass about all of this is to say that there was a point when even the John Williams music from the prequels just really wasn't getting its due. Now, it seems like these days, like I say, the worm has kind of turned on that a little bit to where people are starting to acknowledge, yeah, Williams really, say whatever you want about the movies, but Williams, he really did turn in three masterpieces for the the prequel trilogy and to me it always just seemed kind of like sacrilege you know even back in the 2000s to say that yeah the 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 prequel scores they were kind of weak sauce Uh, nothing is ever going to compare to empire you know all that stuff it i didn't believe it then and i certainly don't believe it now but i gotta tell you you know listening to the prequel scores over the past couple of days it really has done a lot to shine maybe a little bit more of a brighter light on the prequels, at least for me, because one of the things that I've said, and I was being a little bit facetious, but a little bit not, I said words to the effect in some episode or another of Trinus Magnus Punches Reality, that in a way, maybe the film scores for the prequels, maybe those are the real prequels. You know, maybe you just need to hear the music and absorb the um, the emotion of everything without necessarily being confined to a linear plot that's got to have a beginning, a middle, and an end, you know? Just because, you know, at the time that I was... I can't even say coming of age, but... Um, 
settling into adulthood. Like I say, it just was not politically correct to speak positively about the prequels. You know, you just, you really weren't supposed to do that. At least not without suffering some asshole's wrath. And really what... I, I, I was always in a prequel jersey for a long time there. And one of the things that I did, because I reevaluate, reevaluated the prequels, same as anybody else. And one of the things I ended up having to do is come to the conclusion that, you know what? The prequels are not shit, okay? I don't care what the original trilogy generation has to say about the, the subject. The prequels do not suck. But at the same time, I did have to acknowledge I did kind of overvalue the, the, those movies. The Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, and Revenge of the Sith. I did overvalue those movies such that I'd kind of blinded myself to their flaws simply because I thought, and I still do think, by the way, that there are so many amazing ideas going on in the prequels, so many brave, creative uh, choices that George Lucas made, that I was willfully turning a blind eye to some of the weaker elements of the prequels. And one of the things that I ended up doing as much as anything, I was just trying to kind of rationalize everything to myself and just kind of figure out, well, where am I coming from with these movies now? Uh, Post-reconsideration. Like, where do I come down on all this stuff now? I released episodes about, uh, or rather, released episodes of Trinus Magnus Punches Reality about the prequels basically making the point that no, they're not all good, but they're not even close to being all bad. The truth is somewhere in the middle. You understand? The prequels are not just good and they're not just bad. There are some really good ideas and there are some really bad ideas. And I guess my way of processing it is to be aware of the bad ideas, but at the same time, insisting that the bad need not, need not detract from the good, all right? And that basically is where I'm coming from with the prequels. Now, I have said in the past that, you know what, maybe the real prequels, maybe those are the trailers for the films. You know, not so much the films themselves as completed works, feature films unto themselves, which collected together comprise a trilogy of their own. Maybe the real prequels that we that, that people should take in are the trailers for the individual films, because if you watch those things are actually really good. I mean, actually, I, I say that I think I think Revenge of the Sith, by and large, kind of had some weak trailers, but, (coughs) excuse me, episodes one and two had some amazing trailers, especially episode two, had amazing trailers. And when I started thinking about it, it's like, you know, if what you want to do is avoid some of the disappointment that goes in with the prequels, let's, let's face it, all of us kind of experience in some way or another, and in our own ways, perhaps, we all kind of experience... You can bypass all that just by kind of getting these little glimpses into the, you know, into the prequel timeline, you know, and none of it is burdened with too much specificity. You get the flavor of things, but you don't really stick around long enough for the prequels to wear out their welcome. It's just kind of this in and out type of thing. And I wasn't completely serious when I said that, but it's like at the same time, I wasn't completely joking either. It's a lot more serious about that than I was that the prequel scores themselves should be the prequels rather than the movies. I was a lot more serious about the trailers being the prequels than the scores being the prequels. But anyway, re-listening to the to scores now, though, and this is the point, re-listening to the scores now, I'm just struck by the passion and just the vision that John Williams brought to this music and when you think about it guys 
that's not necessarily a logical sequence of events because with these creative types and especially like people that I think border on genius like creative geniuses like authentic creative geniuses I can't number one I kind of have to put John Williams in that category and then number two kind of have to acknowledge that his glory days were at least for me primarily in the 70s most of the 80s and I would say fits and starts in the 90s early 90s early to yeah early 90s and so for late 90s John Williams to come back to Star Wars it's like guys that didn't necessarily have to be uh, a grand slam okay that didn't necessarily have to become a as much of a masterpiece as it was you know there is a very good chance that Williams could have completely dropped the nachos on the music and this is one of those things where I mean look if you're George Lucas and you're making the prequels and you're I don't know 20 like 15 or 20 days into shooting episode one and an actor is just not getting it done okay you're not getting what you need out of them you can fire that actor and then replace them with somebody else yes you have to reshoot the scenes but better to reshoot the scenes with a new actor than release the movie completed with the actor that you weren't working with very well and perhaps the film itself suffers as a result of that you can replace an actor or you can replace a like a special effects supervisor okay or you can replace your editor and there's an argument that perhaps Lucas should have replaced his editor um, you can replace your screenwriter so on and so on and so on but Star Wars it's there's a limit to how much that really is an auteur production if Lucas has a collaborator you have to say that it's it's John Williams and so if John Williams had fucked things up for the music in the Star Wars prequels if the stuff that he had done for episode one had objectively been crap on a stick without the stick and same thing with attack of the clones and revenge of the sith lucas kind of would have been up shit creek because it's like who the fuck do you hire to replace john williams you know it's like you can hire jerry goldsmith and you know what if things don't work out with him you're just not digging the stuff that he's making you can replace him with John Williams, and people have done that to tremendous success, I would say. And the film production is the better for it, I would say. And But it's like, once you start with the best, and if the best is not getting it done, okay, now what do we do, you know? And so, especially at Williams' age, the way that a lot of creative people, they just kind of lose it after a while, there was a really good chance that the scores that Williams turned in for those movies could have been crap. Or maybe even worse than crap, maybe they would have just been meh. Just something forgettable. Mediocre and quickly forgotten. And what a tragedy that would have been. Whereas now you can listen to the prequel scores and I for one would love to have like an extended release of the Attack of the Clones score, or, or fuck it, all of the prequel scores. Let's just put that out there. All of the prequel scores. I would love to have an extended release of those things, but doesn't look like it's going to be happening, at least not anytime soon. And But still, you listen to the album that exists even now, and I got to tell you guys, it's it's amazing number one how good that music is but number two how much that music holds up you know because there are instances where the score almost is better than the movie that it's meant to serve and a good example of what I'm talking about is Revenge of the Sith now I like Revenge of the Sith okay don't get me wrong I enjoy that film but I read the novelization of Revenge of the Sith, and I think to myself, you know, it's the same basic thing that we got on screen. 
but there is so much more character development. There is so much more um, story development. You know, all of the deleted scenes from Revenge of the Sith, obviously they're going to be included in the novelization. And they really give, number one, they give the character of Padme a little bit more to do than just be a womb with feet. And number two, you get a little bit more insight into um, Anakin's agenda. You know, the pressures that he's facing and the the life that he's forced uh, to live, the, the lies that he's forced to live that life under. On and on and on. You know, you just get such a clearer picture of what's really going on that in a weird kind of... Look, I've read the novelization for The Phantom Menace, and it's good. It fills in a lot of kind of interesting information, but I don't consider that to be essential reading. You can watch The Phantom Menace and enjoy it or not enjoy it as you see fit, but the the novelization, I don't think it's going to change anything for you. Same thing with Attack of the Clones. You know, I, I don't think you're going to read the novelization for Attack of the Clones and get just such a different experience out of it. The movie itself does just fine. Yes, the novel is there. Yes, the novel is great. Yes, the novel helps. But you don't need it. Whereas, damn it, dude, the the novelization for Revenge of the Sith, I would say you do need to read that. And guys, I mean, there is a sense in which if it's not on the screen, like the big screen in a Star Wars film released between 1977 and 2005, it's not canon. It is not canon. By definition, it is EU of some kind or another. You know, I understand those arguments. Hell, I even kind of believe in those arguments. But, and, and guys, I'm the guy that's not a real big EU fan in the first place anyway, you know? Yeah, I like some EU stuff, but the amount of EU material that I do enjoy, there's so little of it that it's just not accurate to call me a Star Wars EU fan, you know? It's just, it's not. So yes, I, I do acknowledge that by my own criteria, the episode three novelization is EU. I acknowledge this, but I still consider this to be essential reading bordering on canon. And this is one of those times when it, look, it may very well be possible that there's no movie that Lucas could have created that would have fully scratched the itch of what everybody wanted episode three to be. Episode 3 seems to have a lot of admirers, but a lot of people, they tend to preface their their appreciation of Episode 3. There's always like a qualifier that goes into that. They, they typically say, I liked it, but... And then they explain what their nitpicks were. And then they wrap things up by saying, but it's really good and I enjoyed it, you know? And the thing is, they're, they're, they're speaking their truth. They're telling you what the facts are as they see them. But it's important enough to them that they always mention what they consider to be Episode 3's weaknesses. That's what they lead with. Usually. Not always. Maybe not everybody. But usually. And I've never heard anybody level those kinds of criticisms about the novelization. Literally everyone that I've ever talked to who has read the novelization, they offer variations on it's as good as the movie, it's better than the movie, I really enjoyed it, you know, it really made a lot of, a lot more sense out of this, that, or the other thing. And basically it seems like nobody has negative things to say about the novelization. And guys, just let that sink in. I mean, how many Star Wars novelizations are there out there where people point to that and say, yep, that's the real deal? Revenge of the Sith is the only one that I'm aware of. I'm not aware of anyone spraying their shorts over Star Wars 77, Empire, Jedi, Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, none of those other ones. As good as those movies may be, as good as those novelizations may be, I'm not aware of anybody saying that those novelizations are absolutely essential. Whereas, damn it, dude, I would say that the Episode 3 novelization is absolutely essential, and I'm the guy that considers that to be EU, like I say, and I'm also the guy that really doesn't get a whole lot out of the EU. But 
there it is anyways. And I guess what I'm trying to say in all of this is I released those episodes about the uh, prequel trilogy, like three episodes, one for each of uh, the prequel films. I released those episodes, and in a lot of ways, I did kind of consider them to be my definitive statements about the prequels at the time. But it's one of those things that, you know, like the more I look back on it, the more I wondered, did I say necessarily everything that I have to say? Or, you know what, for that matter, has my have my viewpoints perhaps shifted a little bit? Am I a little bit more accepting now of the prequels than I was before? And I don't know. I mean, honestly, I sometimes think that fandom of anything exists on a continuum. You love certain things more on certain days than perhaps you do other days. You know, call it the fanboy continuum, I guess. But I, I don't know. But I guess I, I can't even completely explain why. I can't fully articulate it. But for whatever reason, there's something about the prequels that are speaking a little bit more to me right now. And I might say especially episode three. But there's something about those prequels that are speaking to me more right now than they were back when I recorded those those three episodes about the prequels like years ago, like 2015, 2016. It, it was something like that. I, it's hard to remember, but I swear to think it was 2015, 2016 and, you know, going through there. So anyway, I just wanted to throw all of that out there and uh, just just see what comes back to me, you know. Uh, especially when it comes to the prequel scores, I just, I just really dig that music. I dig what Williams was up to and what he was trying to achieve with those scores and how brilliantly he, he, he pulled it all off. So anyway, so that's that. Now getting into some feedback, um, oddly enough, I was, I, uh, I was, uh, searching around through my, uh, feedback earlier today. And I actually found something that I think is perhaps appropriate for me uh, to read as feedback for this. Maybe even perfect to read as feedback for right now. But um, anyway, the subject line... Actually, and you know what? Before we even get into this, you know what? I want to get a drink off my Coke here. Get some, uh, get some vapor too. All right, so, uh, Getting into feedback here, I was um, searching around uh, through my inbox, actually, and um, found some. I came across something that I thought was uh, just about perfect. I don't know what the hell's going on with my fucking phone here. Piece of shit. Apple and their fucking planned obsolescence. By the way, I'm part of a class action lawsuit. Uh, I doubt I'm going to get all that much, but, uh, whatever, anything I can do to stick it to Apple, I'm perfectly happy to do. So anyway, so, uh, bear with me while I vamp for time and try to get my fucking phone working again. So piece of shit. All right. So anyway, uh, like I say, I was, uh, sorting through my feedback earlier today and just by sheer coincidence managed to find, uh, some feedback that's pretty relevant to what we're talking about right here. Uh, this was sent in. I'm actually not completely sure who sent this in uh, because the there are two different names given here. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know completely what to think. But uh, anyway, the subject line says, Jedi no more, huh? Question mark. Uh, the sender is Thomas Oswalt, or at least that's the name uh, 
associated with the email address, Thomas Oswalt. But as you guys are going to see, I don't think that's the sender's actual name. But anyway, this was sent on July the 27th, 2019. And the sender of this email, whosoever that may be, wrote, Hi, Mr. Magnus. This is Liz Ann Oswalt. Impressive podcast. Most impressive. Hmm. That bit fits this podcast. I haven't seen The People versus Mr. Lucas. And I'm going to put this email on pause and say, I think this email is a reaction to the episode I did about the documentary, or hit piece, really, uh, called The People versus George Lucas. I went on some almighty rant, and I uh, released a, an episode of Trinus Magnus Punch's Reality about it, and it sounds like that's what this email is a response to. So, anyway. Uh, getting back into the email, though, uh, Liz Ann uh, apparently writes... Uh, but I'm sure a lot of things made him say, I'm done. Though he did get a, uh, he did get a good payback, leaving us with cra crazy Kathy in charge. I'm putting this email back on pause and say, guys, just to kind of set the context here a little bit. Um, one of the points that I made in my episode about uh, the people versus George Lucas is to say that I sometimes wonder, I'm not making predictions, I'm not trying to crawl inside of somebody else's head. But I've wondered more than once if The People versus George Lucas, as a documentary, if that broke George Lucas. Because there's no chance he didn't see it. No chance. And what a lot of people in that documentary had to say about his work, which is one thing, and then about him personally, which is something else, I wouldn't be terribly surprised if, you know what, that that was where the dam broke. That's where he decided to call it a day. And you know what? Fuck it. I'm selling out to Disney. I'm, I'm, I'm finished. I quit. You know, I can't say for sure that's what happened. I simply suggested the possibility that based on the things that were said in the people versus George Lucas, maybe that had something to do with it. So anyway, not saying yes, not saying no. Just saying, I think it's possible. So, anyway, Lizanne, to get back into her email, she writes, but I'll get back to her, meaning Crazy Kathy, or which I assume is Kathleen Kennedy, but I'll get back to her. I'm old enough to remember watching New Hope in theaters. I was four, but I saw it in theaters. Still, other than Jar Jar and the miscasting of Vader, I liked them. Christopher Lee was great as, as Sith, as was... McGregor as Ben Kenobi was great to see. And I think at this point, we're kind of shifting gears to talk about the prequels here. was great to see how Sidious took over and the battle with Maul was cool. So overall, I liked the movies. I was, I was okay with the kid in the Phantom Menace as Vader. It made sense as a kid Vader would not be a Sith Lord as a child. So only Hayden and Jar Jar made me go Ugh, for the prequels as, and as for the force awakens, it was okay. But yeah, with Last Jedi, you dodged a bullet. I'm putting this email back on pause and say, for those of you who don't know, basically I tuned out of Star Wars following The Force Awakens. All right. I, I went to see the movie and like a month after it came out or something like that. I mean, it was a long time, like for me, uh, because usually if a Star Wars movie comes out, I'm there. Opening day, baby. But uh, The Force Awakens? No. Nevertheless, saw the movie, like I say, about a month later. And that just kind of cemented me in this idea that these new Star Wars movies are just not for me. They are not for, I don't know who they're for, but they're not, not for me. And so I decided, you know what? I'm just going to put the key back under the mat. I'm going to leave this thing. You know, maybe new fans are going to come along. They're going to see these new movies. They're going to fall in love with them. And you know what? Fuck it. I hope these new movies are everything they want them to be. I hope they have a great time. I hope they eat lots of popcorn and uh, they just really enjoy themselves. And welcome to Star Wars fandom, guys. 
but these movies are just not for me. And honestly, that is where my story with the new films might actually end. That could have been where my participation came to a stop. All right. But what happened was a listener, and I don't know if this listener wants me to say his name on mic right now, so I'm just going to... Eh, I'm just going to take the easy way out and just leave this person safely anonymous and say that a listener is like, look, you should watch Rogue One. I think you'd really enjoy it. You, you know, it seems like, you know, you don't get into The Force Awakens. You know what? That's fine. No problem. But I think there's something in Rogue One that you might enjoy. Just give it a chance. Go in there with an open mind and uh, just see what you think. So I watched Rogue One and I'm going to say it's not a bad movie. All right, it's it's not a bad movie. I would never have watched it if this person hadn't mentioned it. That's for sure. But the good the the, the good elements of Rogue One just yeah. I just I didn't get into it as much as it seems other people did, you know. And again, it's not that I'm right and you're wrong. It's that we just don't we don't agree, you know, we don't, we don't, well, I mean, we don't completely disagree, but we don't really agree. And there's, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, we can, we can have different opinions. We can disagree on things, you know, it doesn't mean that one of us is a bad person. It just means that we, we just don't agree. That's all it means, you know? And so after that, I was really done with the new movies. And so as is made reference to in, in this email here, Guys, I have never seen The Last Jedi. I've never seen Solo, A Star Wars Story. And I've never seen The Rise of Skywalker. I've never seen them. I have no real great desire to ever see them. I don't think I will ever see them. I mean, at this point, I just I, I just don't see it happening. I, re I don't think it's possible. So, anyway. So... When she says that, yeah, you dodged a bullet with Last Jedi, that's what she's talking about. So anyway, she says, she goes on to say, yep, Ray X Machina does indeed beat Luke with no training. Oh, wait, she had Street Fighter skills from being on Tatooine 2.0. Yeah, if Street Fighters can beat a Jedi of Luke's level, then why didn't Han and Lando beat Vader? <laughs> that's a good question, actually. I, I didn't know that she uh, defeated Luke, but... Yeah, Ray is the bestest ever. Yeah, whatever. Anyway, she goes on to say, were they waiting for a bigger payday? And how does she have the training to use force skills? Raw power is one thing, but the skill she shows takes more than talent. And Liz, uh, hey, look, from your mouth to God's ear, man. I mean, uh, again, I never saw The Last Jedi or The Rise of Skywalker, but... Ray was doing things in The Force Awakens with no training whatsoever that, honestly, we never even see Luke master on screen, at least not perfectly. You know, the Jedi mind trick and all that stuff. I mean, yeah, he, he used it on, and of course now I'm blanking on the guy's name, but the Twi'lek bodyguard in Jabba's palace, he used it successfully on uh, Bib Fortuna. He used it uh, successfully on Biv, but did not use it successfully on Jabba. And I'm of the opinion, you know, being weak-minded, that's only going to take you so far. Do you think Yoda would ever be unable to do a Jedi mind trick on somebody? Because I think he could, you know? So, anyways. But we see in The Force Awakens, Rey, with no training whatsoever, not even knowing that such a thing is even possible, she Jedi mind tricks some guy and god it was just it was just too much so anyway uh she goes on to say chuck norris didn't sh uh, just show up at a tansu do dojo and get a black belt without training yep crazy kathy messed up she took a slam dunk then hired roundhead johnson <laughs> yeah that's one of his nicknames ruin johnson roundhead johnson yeah and he made sure to miss in a spectacular fashion. In such a way that Ed Wood would look at him and go, You call that directing? <laughs> oh, this is so good. This is so good. 
Only way to make that movie more groan-worthy is if Ben Solo, yep, not calling him Kylo Ren till he teams up with Kylo Stimpy. Anyway, if after uh, his fight with Rey, he said, I did not hit her. I did not. <laughs> Hux shows up and Ben Solo says, oh, hi, Hux. <laughs> this is so good. I love this. And now we're bringing, we're bringing in the room here. Tommy, what's so? Where are you when we need you? You know, at a, uh, you know, at a comic con, I saw Ray and Leia twelve inch action figures marked down to ten bucks, and no one even looked at them. Oh wow, I didn't know it was that bad. And the kids, this is now, uh, and the kids, this is now four walked by. They were more into other toys, but no one touched any Star Wars toys. God, what a sad state of affairs that is. What a sad state. Like it. When I was first growing up, it was very much post-Star Wars. I'm putting the email on pause here, guys. When I was growing up, it was very much like post-Star Wars. And so, like, the Hot Toys were uh, G.I. Joe and Transformers and, you know, stuff like that. That was, like, the really big, iconic stuff that everybody remembers, you know. But Star Wars still had a certain pedigree to it. You know, you're not going to get called out if people find out that you've got a bunch of Star Wars figures, you know? It was kind of a cool, kind of a niche thing, yeah, but it was still kind of a cool thing to have that stuff. And certainly when when the prequels came out, Star Wars action figures, well, actually, and honestly, even before the prequels, it's not like the prequels started this, but my point is when the prequels uh, came out, Star Wars figures were, they were very popular commodities, you know. Uh, it, it was to the level where Chancellor Valorum had an action figure. The pilot, the Naboo pilot, Rick Oley, had an action figure. Let me think, who else? There were a few other kind of obscure characters from Episode One that they, too, had figures. I mean, you can kind of see where Senator Palpatine from episode one would have a figure just because he is an important character. You might not immediately know that if you don't know anything about star Wars and you know, episode one's the only thing you've ever seen. You might not know how important Palpatine is just based on that one movie. If that's all, you know, nevertheless, even he had a figure. Whereas what I'm being told now is that they can't sell Toys of Princess fucking Leia. Oh, sorry. That's General Leia. Thank you very much. God. <laughs> Remember when people are saying that? Such fucking assholes. Anyway, getting back into Liz's email, because this is supposed really, it's supposed to be about her. And then at a Tuesday morning, I saw Star Wars toys on clearance, and no one cared for weeks. They sat there. And one of them was Maul. Uh, yep, the... Uh, uh, the taint of Ray has messed up Maul. Not Vader, though. In Sith suit, he's evergreen so far. No Star Wars cosplayers there either. Now, the super cool ship was there for 20 bucks. No one cared. And they had the Disney logo on them. Yep, Kathleen Kennedy. Or, as I call her, Crazy Kathy has screwed the pooch. Was that Lucas getting back because of the People versus George Lucas? Not to give it Cowboy Dave, who knows what he's doing, but to Spielberg's glorified gopher, Crazy Kathy. And by the way, guys, putting her email on pause, that's what people have called Kathleen Kennedy. They call her Crazy Kathy or Spielberg's uh, gopher, or as I call her, uh, Spielberg's coffee secretary. But that's really who Kathleen Kennedy always was. And it kind of makes you wonder, this rep that she has in the industry, how much of that probably isn't deserved and i'm starting to think most of it actually at this point but anyway liz goes on to say oh did i mention i have a youtube page that's lizanne oswalt on youtube anyway maybe this is payback on lucas's part granted i think he it got beyond his control since he did call the sale white slavery a little bit later also a bit far but makes his point a bit this went away from what star wars should be a female a, a female lead can be great, see Rogue One, but Ray isn't. She isn't written 
as she should have been a Skywalker or Kenobi or even a, uh, a Sidious kid. Oh my God, Liz, you're pretty much, you're, you're calling it here. I mean, I think those were like the two big revelations of the rise of Skywalker. She's actually a Palpatine. And then for no fucking reason whatsoever, now she's just magically changing her name to Skywalker. And I guess it makes sense. I mean, she has force powers that she shouldn't have. Why not take a name that she shouldn't have? It's not like names are important. Family. I mean, that's that's who you want it to be. You can... Whatever. It's fucking retarded. Anyway, moving right along. In her email, she says, Making her a nobody. Well, that's every Star Wars movie, save Star Wars. It's a saga... It's saga nature is now gone to make it like every other movie. Other grr moments is a rag magazine said they could end Rise of Skywalker on a cliffhanger. I hope not. I want this farce to be over. Yeah, I'm not a fan of the new movies after Last Jedi made Force Awakens bad because it's connected to Last Jedi. Ah, well, it is what it is. Lucas is done with it, and that's cool. He's rich. Um, He's got uh, two daughters and a hot new wife. He may as well enjoy retirement. Can't wait to hear the next podcast. And so, again, that came from someone who says that her name is Lizanne Oswalt, that the sender name is Thomas Oswalt. So, I don't know, but uh, whatever. This person calls themselves Liz, Liz Oswalt, so I guess it's Liz Oswalt. So, or Lizanne Oswalt. Uh, Oswalt. So, anyway. And uh, uh, Liz, thank you very much for uh, uh, taking the time to, you know, write in. Let me know what you think. I'm sorry that it took a year to to get to your email, but, you know, let it be said that a lot of people have had to wait a lot longer uh, for their feedback to be read on Mike. I mean, just ask Fanboy Miss Prime. I mean, at one point, I think he had to wait like four years or something like that. Poor, poor Prime. I feel so sorry for him. And Prime, if you're listening to this, I'm I'm obviously uh, making good on it. I'm trying to get caught up on all my uh, feedback and everything sooner or later, everything is going to get read on mic. And I'm really making a good faith effort to, to make sure that happens. So, uh, but I do think that just about does it this week. I see that I'm coming up just about to my time limit here. So guys, uh, just one other thing before I uh, call it a day here, this may actually be the last episode of Trennis Magnus punches reality. Uh, that I get to record for a while. I've got a few episodes in the can. Not as many as you might think. I mean, at one point I was, this is no exaggeration, I really was a year ahead. And I made a conscious decision to not do that anymore, starting in 2019. So I slowly started trickling out some of the older episodes. And so as a result, I've got a few unreleased episodes in the can right now uh but not all that many not very many and this is the first time i've really had a chance to record anything new in something like a month and so i've got after like i say after this episode i think i've got like 10 or 12 episodes of just sort of like evergreen content actually i don't even know if it's evergreen content since so much of it is about like comic books like different comics you know, I'm not really sure if that's quite evergreen anymore, but uh, anyway, point is, this is the uh, first time I've had a chance to record anything new in uh, quite a while, so I'm not promising you this is my last episode for a while before my daughter's born. You know, not making any promises about that. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but uh, you know, one way or the other, that that is something that all of you need to be aware of. If you follow my podcast avidly, if you know, you, you really enjoy it and all that. A uh, hiatus of some kind is going to be starting soon, or it may be not even a full hiatus. Maybe it'll just be more like an in, like an infrequent release schedule. I just release episodes as I can, and uh, maybe that's the way that things are going to have to go. I haven't really figured out. Obviously, I have no way of knowing what life is going to be like once my daughter's born, and so... You know, I'm, all of this is just kind of a shot in the dark. But what I can say that does seem kind of like a given at this point is that no matter what happens, things are going to change when it comes to this podcast and my ability to release it on a weekly basis. So like I say, whether that becomes a 
a hiatus of some kind, or whether that just means that maybe the episodes only come out like once some once every two weeks or, or, or once every month or just whenever I have a chance to release them you know who's to say point is though um, I'm not sure what the future is going to bring but I just at least want to raise awareness about it to you now because it seems like every single time I mention the fact that my wife is pregnant and at the time that you guys are hearing this she's probably do like literally any second it's always somebody's first time hearing about it so it seems that the more i repeat it the more people find out about it so whatever but uh, anyway uh point is like and i keep trying to get to this um i'm not sure if there's even going to be an episode next week maybe there is maybe there isn't actually at the time that you guys are listening to this you probably know more about that than i do right now as i record all this but either way i'm going to try to release episodes as often as I can, but I just really don't think I'm going to be able to uh, go back to a weekly release schedule at least anytime soon. Maybe someday, not anytime soon. So, just something to keep in mind. So, I think that's pretty much it for me for this week, though. So, bye, everybody. I will see you fucking whenever. I think that's just about the end of that. Trennis Magnus Punches Reality is a proud member of the Two True Freaks Podcast Network. You can find the home for Trennis Magnus Punches Reality at twotruefreaks.com. You can also find this show on Facebook just by searching for Trentus Magnus Punches Reality. There you can interact with your fellow listeners and also see notifications of new episodes when I put them up. My Facebook group is the only official place where you can find everything that has anything to do with this show. The reason for that is because I despise Twitter. Pretty much everything about Twitter sucks. So join the Facebook group today. Speaking of Facebook, you can friend me just by searching for Trentus Magnus, which is spelled T-R-E-N-T-U-S-M-A-G-N-U-S. You can email me and my parole officer at trennismagnus at gmail.com. But remember, all feedback and correspondence emailed to me will be read on mic unless you request otherwise. So, if your email isn't intended for public consumption, don't forget to say so. Otherwise, I'll assume that you want your correspondence to be heard by my dozens, and dozens, of fans across the world. Do you have a suggestion for a topic? feel free to email me, and I might consider thinking about the possibility of potentially discussing whatever you have in mind someday. And that's a promise. Since we're on the subject of feedback, Trentus Magnus Punches Reality can be found on iTunes just by searching for Trentus Magnus Punches Reality. Won't you take a moment to rate my show on iTunes? That helps new listeners find the show. And just in case you don't think that I've given you enough shit to click on just yet, You can sponsor my show simply by going to twotruefreaks.com. There you can find the PayPal button, donate any amount at all, specify that you're sending Magnus some monetary love, and you will be an official sponsor of my show's very next episode, with your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy. And there's no minimum donation. Be a Trennis Magnus show sponsor today. I don't have a Patreon. Because if you think that I hate Twitter, boy, just wait till you hear what I think of Patreon. So, if you want to throw some bucks my way, the Two True Freaks PayPal link is the way to do it. The contents of this podcast are fictitious, hypothetical, and probably completely unnecessary. Any similarity to living persons or real-life events is purely coincidental and void were prohibited by law. Some assembly required. Batteries not included. Many will enter. Few will win. The white zone is for passenger loading and unloading only. All models are over the age of 18. Trinus Magnus Punches Reality is a Magnus... Media Enterprises Limited Production, 
in association with Demanzacor of Milan, Italy.